weather, who knows what February will be like. We've already had some bizarre weather this year. But I know one thing, I'm going to worship the Lord no matter what. I'm going to worship God. going to praise God. We're so thrilled. We have several guests here today. We're very happy for each of you that have uh, weathered everything. You're here in the house of God. But, of course, we're at this point of the word of the Lord. And this is very, very significant that God is going to speak to us today through his word. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. I need you to grab a Bible. We're going to go to sec- uh, First Kings and uh, chapter 16. Just get right about there. We'll, we'll direct you in a moment. We welcome you today to an apostolic holiness church where we, we feel good when we worship. Praise God. And so we thank God. We're more than just a user-friendly church. We're a heaven-friendly church. We care about what heaven thinks about it. And we're on our way there. And we've entered into very, a very vibrant 2018. God is working in some very special ways and is working on hearts and we thank God for it our hearts are determined to know and experience the power of God and life-changing revival that's what we long for and it's happening so it's time for each of us to Turn our eyes on Jesus, as the song says. Everybody remember that old song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. This is a time to look at Christ. And the tabernacle is entering into a time of dedication. And uh, we're calling it a time of prayer and fasting. But it's a time of dedication. We could do this in many ways, but we're going to enter into a time of fasting. And for some, you need to you need to do a little fasting before you try to fast an extended period of time. So you might want to some of you may fast by just not having the banana split or something. But whatever you're doing, make sure you you start getting ready, because toward the end of February, we're going to have a time of three days of prayer and fasting because the same old same old is not going to work we're not satisfied with just what the world says will work we want what god says and he says in the last day saith god i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and so there it is there's wonder working power in the blood anybody believe that can we just clap our hands one more time give god praise today i want to preach From the subject, or I'm going to entitle my message today, The Fire and the Rain. The Fire and the Rain. And I'm going, of course, I've already directed you to 1 Kings, so I'm going to be preaching about Elijah. 
And so if you would look at chapter 17, verse 1, we'll read just one verse and then we'll be seated. I'm going to begin a series starting next Sunday night on the life of Elijah. It'll be a six-week Sunday evening messages. But today we are introducing that by preaching under the will of God, in the will of God, the message entitled, The Fire and the Rain. Can you say that with me? The Fire and the Rain. And uh, verse 1, chapter 17, 1 Kings. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years. Everyone say dew. There shall not be dew nor rain. Can you say that? Dew nor rain. My message is entitled The Fire and the rain, could we set our Bibles down? Let's ask God to anoint his messenger today, shall we? Lord, we thank you. We bow today in prayer. These are days which call us to revival. We are hungry for it. Our soul cries out in repentance. Lord, we do not see ourselves as having attained. We see you as the God that giveth all things. Anoint now thy messenger and your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. And you may be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing and for standing so long. Now, I wanted to go back into chapter 16, but uh, instead we'll just use uh, verse seven, uh, verse 1 of chapter 17. Elisha the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but, of course, it's very significant. So just when it seemed that evil would engulf everything, a powerful prophet emerges as the voice of God. And how many knows that God always has his word? His word is always accomplishing, as we heard today in this great lesson today about the Bible. How many are thankful for the word of God? And, of course, the word of God came in various ways. This Bible is full. First Kings, for example, are the words of Elijah and so forth. But so it was an evil world in Engulfed everything, but God had a powerful prophet, a messenger with the very voice of God. Now, the antagonist was a king by the name of Ahab. And I want to say a couple things here so you can follow with me. This was a 22-year reign. Everybody say 22. That's a long time. 22 years of a reign of King Ahab, it was almost unbearable. He married a woman who was not a a Jewish believer, she was, an, uh, she was a worshiper of other gods, and her name was Jezebel. This was his pagan wife, and she was really, uh, she, uh, she was uh, very interesting to say the least. And so Ahab and Jezebel uh, were a force for evil that came against Jehovah. And Jezebel determined, because see, Jezebel was the worshiper of a pagan god known as Baal. 
double A, Baal. And Baal, of course, was one of the uh, predominant gods of the ancient world. And uh, every atrocity known to man was accomplished under the worship of Baal. And Jezebel was so filled with evil that she thought she was going to stamp out the, the people of God and the prophets of God. In fact, even Elijah himself thought that the prophets were all destroyed. So she determined that the worship of Jehovah would be ended. And so she set that as her goal. Her God was Baal, and with her she had imported uh, hundreds and hundreds. Now, specifically, the Bible says 450 prophets of Baal, but she also brought in 400 uh, priests of Ashtaroth, which was, all these are interesting gods of the ancient world, uh, still well known in our day, but, uh, but she brought them into Israel thinking if she imported them from Yale and Harvard and all the, all the regions of the world around them, she would get them in there and she would overcome the church of God and she would stop the voice of God. And everything looked so nice and cozy because we're educated and we're rich and we're in need of nothing. And so they felt they had it all uh, all just sewn up. Chapter 18, 18, of course, which is a whole chapter away, says that the problem was they had forsaken the commandments of the Lord. And so it was. Some people think that any religion will do, but friend, any religion will not do. Any religion will not set you free or get you to heaven. So we find then suddenly out of nowhere when everything was going so good and everybody had their diplomas and they were driving that hot rod car and they had everything exactly as they needed it. Out of nowhere came a man of God. He stepped on the scene and nobody had ever heard of him. In fact, when you come to chapter 17, it's the first mention of such a man and the Bible says here he is, Elijah. Now, the name Elijah, we'll get to that. I'm not going to preach that today. But the name Elijah, obviously, is a Hebrew word. And it's very, very interesting. Uh, we'll come to it. But the word Tishbite is even more interesting. Sounds kind of like a, a bug. But it's actually, a, a, it's a name of a place. So you can say, where are you from? Uh, I'm, I'm from uh, Tishba. Oh, great. In fact, some people, there's some uncertainty even as to where it was. We do know, of course, it was in Gilead, and Gilead is way north, way above even the Sea of Galilee, way up as far as you can go and still be in the land of Jehovah. And so over, uh, the Bible said it was on the other side, meaning the east side of Jordan, and so it was Elijah. So in other words, when you said Elijah was a Tishbite, you were basically saying that he was a nobody, he was from nowhere, and what in the world are you stepping into this scene with all of us who are so important? So who is this guy? Uh, where does he come from? Well, I'm going to tell you today who Elijah was. He was the mouthpiece of God in a world of lies. There was more power in this one man than all 850 prophets of Jezebel. Praise God. Church God always is on time. He knows exactly what to do. It may look impossible, but our God is an on-time God. He knows what he's doing. In fact, today, all of the events of today are organized by God because God can take the impossible and turn it into mighty revival. 
In fact, I say today, under the power of anointing and prophecy, there are people sitting in this place. You have no intention of turning to God, but God has intentions for you that you don't know about. God has already determined it. Some of you are going to find that what God has planned will enter into your life in ways you never thought was possible. When my dad first went to a Pentecostal church, he was, a, he was an alcoholic. He had no intentions of turning his life to God, but he stepped into the house of God one day and the Holy Ghost. Someone said, what's all that ruckus? That's the sound of heaven. Somebody is receiving. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, of course, that one day changed my dad forever. It's Of course, that's all of our stories. I'm just being somewhat personal here. So Elijah may have stood alone. He may have stepped into the courts of Ahab and Jezebel. And the whole world opposed him. But verse 1 says that Elijah stood. Notice that the King James, chapter 17, the Bible says Elijah stood before the Lord God of Israel. Of course, having teached teaching Hebrew and so forth. Obviously, I can, I can vouch for the fact that this means he stood with, but in the sense of before him, he stood with the Lord. Jezebel was somewhere else. And so today it is vital that we understand where we are in God. Is anybody hungry today to be where God wants you to be? Can we just lift our hands and thank him for just a moment? Father, we give you praise because we are standing in your presence. We are before the Lord God. Of Israel. So Elijah came from nowhere. So whose report will you believe? All of the fine folks that have been imported from all these other places, and they, they're right there next to the queen and, and the king, and they're telling you that this is what you should do. It doesn't matter. All religions are the same. It doesn't matter who you worship. It just, it's just really a matter of whatever you whatever you prefer, your own preference, that's all that matters. So Jezebel says, who does this guy think he is? This Elijah is a Tishbite, which was really, uh, I don't know why the word has to be so unique, but it, it just is in English. There's no other way to train a Tishbite. How many knows if you're a Tishbite, you're just a Tishbite? I mean, it's just really hard to not. If you're a Tishbite, friend, you're, you're just a Tishbite. And he was a Tishbite. Now, I'm, Elijah... Uh, Of course, I mean no disrespect whatsoever. I'm simply trying to tell you that in the mind of Jezebel, she thought so very strong that that Tishbite in her mind meant hick. It meant, uh, do you know what I mean by hick? Is that, do you use that word? No? Um, What would be another word, Sister French? Uh, Is hick a bad word? I'm not sure if that's a bad word. Um, Where I'm from, that's not a bad word, but you never know. Uh, A hick where I come from is... uh, Kind of like from the sticks? Okay, the sticks. If you know what the sticks are, then that's going to help you a great deal. You're from the sticks. That's another, well, you talk that way where I'm from. You're from the sticks, which sounds even more weird at the moment than Tishbite. But you understand what I'm saying. That when, when Jezebel said Tishbite in her mind, she was saying dumbbell or uneducated or unwanted. And who do you think you are? I'm here to tell you today that it matters not what the devil's plans for you have been. What matters is God has stepped on the scene. 
God is in the midst of his church. Hallelujah. They may point their fingers east of Jordan, west of Jordan, but it makes no difference. She did everything in the world to beautify herself beyond what God desired, but she was no match for God. Who's one guy against my crowd, she says, my crowd of expert eggheads who know it all. They're the religious elitists. And I want to warn someone in my hearing today. We need to ask ourselves, will we trade our power with God for money? Is that what we choose? We'd rather drive better cars and have money and somebody look at what we have than to retain the power of God. Suddenly the word tishbite becomes a word that holds a significant relationship with God that is not even about where you're from or who you are. It is about the God that called you and God is able Ask yourself this question. Will you trade the power of God for your pride? Some people are so prideful they cannot break into the presence of God. They see only a tishbite. They cannot comprehend that God could do such a thing. Their money, their pride, their education or their fame, you name it. They are not worth it, my friend. I refuse to trade the power that God has given us for the trinkets of this world. (laughs) Praise God. We have determined, no matter what the world says and how many they may be, we will hold on to God's power. And this, of course, was all signified in the fire in the rain. So Jezebel uh, decides that she can do as she pleases and that she can take care of this little uh, I was going to say shrimp Does that compute when I say that, a shrimp? I don't mean, of course, seafood. I'm speaking of uh, the idea that he's just way down there and I'm way up here. But the truth was that Elijah was standing with the Lord God of Israel. Didn't matter how he looked or where he was from or how fancy his name sounded. I hope you, uh, listen, I'm not preaching against you being blessed. I think you should be blessed. But if things you have mean more to you than salvation and the power of God, then it's time for you to feel the fires of the Holy Ghost. And so God said, I tell you what I'm going to do, Jezebel. I'm going to take care of your attitude for a moment. I'm going to deal with you because you dare think that standing in the presence of God means absolutely nothing. I'm not going to preach it today, but of course you know that Elijah told her that God has told me the dogs are going to, you're going to 
the dog's going to lick your blood off of the sidewalk. Now, not a very, I know that's pretty negative. We might ought to strike that for the moment. But you understand that Elijah was seeing what was really coming. Now, you listen to me today. The Holy Ghost is more important in your life than the things of this world. It is time for you to let go of those things and find your way into the presence of God. Whether it's popular or not, Elijah was standing before the Lord. He's God's man. And he is about to show you, Jezebel, that your gods are false or fake. They are powerless and uh, they're not real in other words mere human concoctions like some people say of the truth they'll say for example speaking in tongues I've had someone just say and, and I understand people trying to figure it out because I speak in other tongues like the Bible says. I also study language. I have a, cu a couple degrees in ancient language and I teach several languages and, uh, but I also speak in languages that I don't know So every once in a while, I have people say to me, now you teach uh, ancient language, you teach uh, Latin and Greek and so on. Yes, and you also speak in languages you don't know. I have that rather often. I've taught uh, several languages at the university and the university level, and I've had people say, now I, I don't know if I've ever met anyone who I've heard of this and so forth. But, but now suddenly, you know, here you are. It's hard for me to push that away. You say you speak in languages you don't know. Because you can teach Semitic languages, you can te teach uh, uh, Latin, you can teach uh, so on and so forth. My, my point is, of course, that there is a power that is bigger than we are. Hallelujah. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost here. That's hard for me to contain it. Jezebel, you need to listen. Your gods are powerless. It is nothing more than your human carnality. And it is time for you to find God. You're going to find God. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I don't, things I don't want to say. I'm trying not to say them. I try not to say them. Here we are in a day when, uh, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. I'm, I'm getting control there so I don't have to move into that. Preachers who say, you know, we don't need emotionalism. The last preacher that told me that, I said, but you have emotionalism in everything in life. I said, do you, uh, you only go to the ball game and you don't open your mouth at all, right? Just like church, right? See, that wasn't true. I'm not making fun of him. I didn't name him, not naming his college, not naming his denomination. Uh, it was a fair conversation. I think he meant it. He was sincere. I'm trying to tell you today, folks, you can't turn it away just because it's called Tishbite. You can't say it's way up there. It doesn't affect me. It affects you. It is vital that you recognize that God is God. 
You have to let God be God. I don't know when I felt anything more powerful or more real that God is trying to speak to us today. That his power is real. So the real God, the Lord Jehovah, whose name is holy, has power. There's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's power in the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He has power to hold the rain up in heaven. We call it a famine or a drought. He has the power to stop. Now, every once in a while, I get the scientific group. I don't mind that. I'm okay with that. Well, Reverend, it's not possible. Because the Bible says there was neither. See, that's what you call specific. Because you could say there wasn't any rain, but well, that what that probably meant is that it didn't rain very much. But it didn't say that. It said there was neither dew nor rain. Now, you know what? Now, I'm, I'm going to, okay, you got specific. I'm talking to somebody probably across the road over there somewhere. You got specific and said, well, that probably meant, but no, no. You and I know that dew are the droplets that form lower to the ground. In fact, well, that's a whole sermon in itself. The snow from heaven, what a message that was. And the dew, the dew that forms low to the ground. But the Bible said that it, there was no forming of moisture. Now, scientifically, why and how and all that, I just, I'm going to tell you, folks, I'm just about at my wit's end. But I know what a drop is when I see it. There was not a drop of water. And that is what the Bible is informing us of. Someone said, how can that be? Because God determined to show in the natural order what was going on in the spiritual order. You have left God behind, so I'm going to dry up every drop of earthly water you've ever known. And you will, you will, you will be sorry. Because you're not going to be able to hold in vats and uh, deep uh, reservoirs of rock and so on, all the ways the ancient world kept water when they were in drought. You're not going to, in three years, there will not be a drop of water. I'm going to hold every drop of it right up here. Because you say I'm not real, then let's just start with the water. You're not going to have a single drop. Could we just lift our hearts together right now? I feel the Holy Ghost. Could we just say something to the Lord from, from your heart? Father, oh, Father, hallelujah. Your spirit is here working. So he has the power to hold the rain up in heaven, and he has the power to send down 
fire from heaven. Now that's important because how many knows we don't usually get fire from heaven. Anybody notice that? Yeah, no, nobody comes in and said, oh, we got a lot of fire falling from heaven today. How many inches of fire do you think is going to fall, Brother French? Oh, it's the fire season, and fire is falling from heaven. No, 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 that's not a natural phenomenon. If fire falls, that's why we know that the fire coming down was representative of supernatural phenomenon. It's not natural. It is not natural to say, oh, look out there, we got a whole lake full of fire over there. We don't do it because lakes aren't filled with fire. Fire is not an element that's used or displayed in such a way. I mean, we know what fire is, but for it to fall out of heaven, literally. But the Bible said that I am going to send fire from heaven. Therefore, he controls the earthly and he controls the heavenly. And he's letting us know it. So rain you've seen, but you're not going to see a drop for three years. But fire, I'm going to demonstrate in your very presence the proof of the spiritual power that Jezebel knows nothing about. You're not going to get a degree in the end and say, oh, man, we're all now we're cool and we've all got our degrees. No, in the end, you're going to recognize that the spirit of Jezebel is powerless. Praise God. But God's going to send the fire from heaven into the midst of his church. Anybody know what I'm talking about here this morning? <coughs> now, church, we're in a world in which the rain from heaven is dried up. We are not just America. America's in serious trouble. But it's not just America. The world is in serious spiritual trouble. The heavens have been dried up for some time. I don't know if there's not a single drop because I certainly feel something from heaven right now. Does anybody feel something from heaven? He said, I'm in the last days when all this, I'm going to start pouring my spirit out. So yes, yes, I know that. I don't mean by that that there's not a drop, all right? I'm not making a direct analogy. Now, uh, the day will come when this world's going to be, the church going to be taken out of here. But we're currently in a world in which the rain from heaven is dried up so that not a single evidence can be drawn in this world of imposters to demonstrate that where, where is our earthly evidence for who we are? Here's my degree, but where's the food and the water that I need? I've turned from God, so what have I ended up with? I've ended up with fun and games and fables, but I do not have what I really need. And someone today is sitting in the house of God wondering what is it really all about? And God is speaking to your heart and saying, this is that. 
This is what God promised. And I'm here to tell you the God of heaven has the power right in the midst of a dry, barren world, a thirsty world. He has the power to open up the heavens and pour out the blessing that you need today. Praise God. It is not some TV preacher giving you some miracle. It is real and it is here today. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. So, of course, when the truth stepped right in to the world's kingly courts and stood before her majesty and his majesty, and he just walked right in unannounced and unknown, you know that they were not about to listen. They're going to say they're too emotional. His voice was weak. And uh, he, he did, did you see that part in his hair? Did you see his hair? His hair was even messed up. And, and so they're not going to listen. They're going to get focused on everything. Now, we're all thirsty. There's barely enough food to feed our families. And this is what we think we need is all of this false religion. And yet now we're barren both spiritually and physically. So in the parched lands of Israel, and of course you know that Israel was divided between Judah and Israel. So we're speaking of a prophet that preached only way up there in the north. He never got down to Georgia. He's way up there, east side of Jordan. And so he came across and all those uh, tribes of Israel in the northern area that was had a big fight and so they split see what happens in a barren world is chaos division no peace no answer everything's just chaos so the parched earth was from the curse of God there's not going to be a single drop that's going to fall for three years. And in the midst of that, and I'm, I'm, everybody say praise the Lord. Give me a couple more seconds here. In the midst of that, no, no water except what was stored. But the Bible says there was a place that God had prepared and there's great debate as to precisely where this was, but, but let's not go into the debate. So God says to Elijah, I want you to go hide yourself because this world's not going to accept this. So I've got a place tucked away where there's water flowing through that brook. And then... And, of course, the hiding of the prophet and the saints, we relate to this hiding away just like we do in prayer and fasting. A time in which we slip away from a world without answers and enter into the place 
of the flowing of the presence of God. Where food doesn't satisfy us. And earthly water is not the answer. But God has a place for us. Oh, hallelujah. And so the church slips away. And the Holy Ghost says, I want you to hide yourself, Elijah. Because there's a place. The psalmist, David, said it's the secret place. It's the secret place. Oh, of the most high. And so it is, church, as we see in these last days all that's going on about us. It is the time in which we hide ourselves away and we commune with Almighty God. So remember, let's clap our hands one more time. Here we go. We're almost there. So God supernaturally, at this brook, God supernaturally fed Elijah by sending ravens with food in their mouths or their beaks, I guess, to be more uh, exacting. And so where are you going to get the food? Here's this, here's all this, uh, here's this water, but there's not time. There's no way to use this water to grow crops. And, and besides, so I don't, if, I, if I'm sowing crops, how am I going to be seeking the Lord? And you told me to hide here if I'm planting crops all day and waiting months and months. No, 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 no. That's not what it's about, Elijah. It is about entering into my presence in a world that doesn't understand it. Because when you leave here, the fire is going to begin to fall. When you leave this brook and you head back into the courts to declare unto them, you are to step right into Ahab's presence and say, God wants a showdown. Bring your offerings and bring them to the altar and the God that answers with fire. That is God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Think of it, my friend. God is able to send the ravens of heaven. He can take care of his own. So we've got to face the Jezebel of this world who controls the Ahab of earthly kings. But we will face her and them with the power of God in our midst. Father, if you want to send in the ravens and this is where you want me to be, then this is where I want to be. Lord, I want to know. I want to tell you what I'm feeling. I want to, I want to, I want to speak to you just straight from my heart here. God is bringing this tabernacle to a place where God can send it as he pleases, any way he pleases. We're willing to receive it from the word of God. It's life to us. Elijah shows us that the God who holds the rain for earthly life also controls the fire that is necessary for spiritual life. And so it is today that God has said there is nothing impossible with God. God is going to do the impossible in the midst of his church. Would you stand with me all across the building? I wonder if we could just bow our heads. What I'm trying to say is that it is a humble church. Even though we are filled with faith, we are a humble people that say, God, you are able to send the fire from heaven. 
Come on, let's bow our heads. I don't normally do this, but I'm feeling a constraint of the Holy Spirit. There's somebody today would like to come first. You want to receive the Holy Ghost and the power of God. I want you to come first. You can just slip out. We're all going to gather together. And so or you can come with us. As